Hello everyone, my name is Ren Chao Du. I'm the Artistic Director of Kiraf Academy of Washington, D.C. Welcome to the Ballet Podcast. This is the place where I live video interview some of the most robust, most professional, most well-known figures in our industry. They're going to share their expertise, experience, and advices to all audience members. Thank you very much. Okay, hello, good morning, everyone. Uh, thank you for joining us at the uh, Ballet Podcast with Care of Academy. Uh, today's guest is uh, Miss Maria Conrad. She's a beautiful master teacher, choreographer, and contemporary jury member. And she'll be joining us to give you a lot of values about um, competitions and also in dance uh, industry in general. So we'll invite her in with Mr. Dew. Thank you so much. Hi, Maria. How are you? It's I'm so good. nice How to you? see you. So, so nice good. to see you. We are, this becomes a new norm and we see each other over the, the little screen, but uh, I truly, truly hope we can work together in the same cap capacity like we had it before. And you know what? It's just like looking at you and I'm just thinking, we just always take things so much for granted. You know, I, I'm looking back just like yesterday. Like when we're together, like in Pittsburgh, we, we sit at the dinner and we just laugh and eat and talk about everything and be so close and 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 express our feelings with art and, and dance and education. And we didn't know how good we had. And honestly, it's like oh my would, gosh. I would do anything to, to have that, you know, but uh, I guess we really have to be grateful, you know, honestly, for what we had and those conversations, beautiful, meaningful and, and, and personal conversations and we had and, and uh, to realize our careers and what we do is so much connected to our feelings and to, to our lives. So dance in a way, it, it is personal. So it is much more than just business for us. So I wanted to really thank you and thank all those dance teachers out there to literally turn, uh, absorb this change in our industry and turn turned around into our industry right away to accommodate the needs of the students and not providing them dance instructions, but also provide them this emotional support. I am sure you are doing that every single day. And and that just to show you that we are much more than just a dance teacher to the community. And at one point, we, Maria, you and I, we're gonna have to take care of ourselves. <laughs> Otherwise, we don't have anything to give. No, but, I think that um, that's really important. And I think that as well right now, I mean, I think that was our favorite part about dance is connecting with people, it's the humanity, you know? Yes. As much as we love a beautiful foot or a beautiful leg, we love what that human is doing within that facility. And I think um, it's almost like part of your heart gets ripped out. And I don't know about you. There's some days I wake up and I'm like, all right, we're going to make this work. And then other days I'm like, I just, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> I want to go back to my studio, you know? <laughs> I, feel, I, feel the, I feel the same way. I feel exactly the same way. And sometimes I think, you know, what? what it is going to be like after this 
is all over. You know, it's really up to the or grassroots teachers, like at the front line, like you and I at the front line to pick up the pieces and then move forward again. And I am anticipating this is one of the topics that we're going to discuss a little bit later on and then to anticipate what's going to be like after this is crisis is over and what the dance scene literally is going to look like, the competition, the school, the studio scene is going to be look like. And we don't know what all students are going to be look like, honestly. I, I know they're looking great through Zoom. I know they look great, but I'm not so much worried about their physical body. They're young, people recover, and they're not a problem, but their heart, their mind. And how can we as dance professionals to nurse them back together? Honestly, that is a really bigger question. And I think the conversation like this is all going to be helpful and informative. Um, I think that these dancers, what I'm really encouraging them as I do some of these Zoom classes, which I didn't want to do at first, because for me, it's all about that connection and like jumping through the screen, you know, (laughs) it's it's really exhausting. And you, but at the same time, I just totally wanted to be, you know, a part of it and I had to give in and I'm, and I'm glad that I did. But the biggest thing that I'm trying to teach them is that we don't always learn as dancers and we become better dancers when we become whole people, you know? So if this is the time that you want to learn something new or that you want to play around with photography, feed all of your artist self, you know, and especially, and I know you have this too, especially those dancers that were just about to go into companies or apprentices or just about to go there. They just feel really defeated. Like, okay, do I just give up on this now? you know, because it's going to be right, a couple right. of years before it, it kind of folds in. And my point to them is go do something. I mean, dancers are adaptable, right? So yes, always, go always, do something yeah. that challenges your mind, your body, and your soul. And, you know, I always say every day that I'm in a dance studio, you, to be a whole person, you have to have a physical challenge you have to have a mental challenge and you have to have a spiritual challenge, right? And we're so lucky as dancers that we automatically have that, you know? So I've been challenging my dancers to go out and do that. I have been doing my Pilates reformer certification during this time, nonstop. You and take think, advantage. <laughs> you know, I take advantage and it's so good for my dancers and for me to relearn and know the body. So you have, you have to just kind of go and do that at this time. That's all type A mentality go 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 i mean honestly it is uh, really beautiful to see um what i think this is really before you answer this question already i was gonna ask you like what 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 dancers can do in this moment instead of just focus on zoom classes and being this almost frantic mood uh not to uh be out of shape but my advice is students are young right to be professional dancers you sometimes you have a all the time you have two to three months off in the summertime so for adults we are somewhat used to that kind of transitional period you know we find a subject to do or we find a way to keep ourselves in shape and either in the gym or home for the ballet dancers we know how to do it but for students i always sense this little panic like I have got to make make sure I don't go out of shape. I have to improve. 
So how can you walk us through that? What we should do? Yes, keep ourselves in shape, but what else can we do to prepare ourselves for the feel, opening? Um, you know, at, at one of the lowest points in my life, I started actually training two women that are really inspiring to me um, with Venus Williams and Serena. And I really have learned so much from them. And they, in their off season, cross train in dance, completely opposite, right, of what they're doing, pounding on the knees, sitting sitting here. So now they're working dance, they're reversing the ankle, they're working on balance, and they're really passionate about it. And so what I've really learned from them is, is the cross training actually makes you the better athlete in the long run, you know? Cross training, yeah. It's the same thing where, you know, I love the question about from the teacher about jazz positions that you had recently, like, you know, jazz pirouette versus rotation. It's the same thing that if you really work in parallel, then you actually have more rotation on the outside because you're releasing the muscles at some point right. if you stand like right. this all the time, right. you know? So it's the same It's the same concept with the body. Swimming, you know, Pilates, um, but that's all physical. You still have to do something to challenge your mind. Yeah. You know, I've been reading a lot of books. Um, I've been reading a Buddhist book called Siddhartha, <laughs> you know, yeah. um, you know, just all of those things and having that space and time for me as a choreographer to be creative because oh, it's beautiful. the ideas mm-hmm. come to you when you have the space. So I can give you another example. We decided, you know, Venus is on the road all the time, so she's never able to plant, like have a garden. Right. And I'm on the road all the time. So I'm never able to do that either. So we got plants and we were planting. And as I'm digging in the dirt and I'm planting a jalapeno plant, I had the idea of like, Maria, you are going to set a contemporary ballet secret garden. This is what you're going to do. This is your next project. You know, there's not a lot of that out there. That story is beautiful, you know, and it brought me there because I had the space to be able to do that. That's that's beautiful. That's beautiful, and I, I not, honestly, it's uh, require a m- more mature um, person like like you, like us, to channel in. Okay, you know, if I don't have room to do the cross floor, if I don't have room to to move, I'm just gonna shift away from that. I'm right. gonna work on something that is my current environment allowing me to do. So I didn't tell telling the students that. Work on your plie, work on your portabra, work on the things that allow you to do. But sometimes, you you know, the children, students, yeah, channel into the things they can't have it. Of they course. worry about their stamina. <laughs> They're like, I gotta have this. So, so shifting. Okay, for all the students out there, shifting your focus on something that workable for you to be ad- adaptive. Your industry is going to ask you to do that later on when you enter in the professional world. You have to be moldable. You have to mold into a current condition. So work on your spirituality, for for instance, and take a yoga class. You all those things that are available online, or learning something about photography, learning about something like video editing. It's going to be so valuable for your career later on. So that's uh, very um. Very you know, helpful. I agree with you. The thing that I totally. highly suggest for dancers is you have the time right now and you know how to practice a musical instrument. 
because understanding a musical instrument as a dancer, that's hand in hand, you know? That's perfect. Yeah, all the things that you can do. All, so instead of focus on, focusing on the things that you, is not available to you, open your mind to see what can work for you in the long run. So now, Maria, I wanted to focus on a couple of subjects and I think that you can give us the absolute insight on those subjects. And I believe some of the topics are, needs to be unveiled. So I think the valuable experience that I had with you is actually, one day I just walked by your classroom, honestly. I taught class upstairs in Pittsburgh Ballet and YGP Masterclass. I yep. came down, you were on the bottom floor. I walked by your studio, literally for less than a minute. And I heard what you say. You got like a 35 girl sitting on the floor and you were there lecturing them. <laughs> <laughs> it was beautiful. It was absolutely beautiful. They were, uh, and, and I listened, I was like, oh, let, let me just hear what she's saying. You were saying there wasn't a word about your lecture to those girls was unnecessary. Every single word, it is so valuable. You, the topic was your contemporary presentation in a ballet competition. Now this is the ultimate mystery. So we know how to pick a, a classical variation. Your teachers are helping you. You, you say, you know, I, my body shape and uh, my strength and my weaknesses, I'm gonna, Package myself. This is somewhat easier to navigate, but this contemporary selection for in a ballet company. First of all, contemporary dance. I want to go into that a little bit. That your education is going to break us down, including me. So please tell me. This is before we get into <laughs> nitty gritty things. There is a difference. Please explain to our young students and and, and the teachers. What's the difference between contemporary ballet and modern dance, please? Oh, this is, you know, it's a big question. there have been so many boards and, and lectures and, and on this. To me, at the moment, um, modern dance is an identifiable technique. It's a, it's a Graham, it's a Lamone, um, it's, a, it's a Taylor, it's a Bartiniev, you know, an identifiable technique, Simonson, right? Like of what that is. Right. And then mm -hmm. even in that world, there is, you know, what we so call much debate. A, a, a downtown dance technique, right? Yeah. So yeah. what is modern dance? Is it movement? Is it performance art? You know what that is. Yeah. But the way that I think about it is, um, so I'm a huge Renoir fan. I love Renoir. Okay. But I don't think while Renoir was painting, he said, I am an impressionist painter. Right. I think right. he said, I'm a painter. And these people, they got, they happened to paint like me, like a little bit, you know? Mm -hmm. And then mm -hmm. after that period was over, we put a label on it of this is contemporary. You know what I mean? This is, this is yeah, right. Afterwards. Right, right, Afterwards. Right. Um, so I think that we've moved away from the, the normal shapes. Um, but like, you know, when I think a true contemporary company, I think of, uh, Batsheva, right? Like I think, I think right. of the work that Batsheva does in Ohad. Um, but I don't think that while Batsheva was doing that, you know, 25 years ago, 30, you know, what that was, I don't think he said this is contemporary dance. You know, it was a new style and it was a new form. Um, and 
I think I remember when I was a kid, anything in point shoes that wasn't classical ballet was considered contemporary. Anything. Yeah. Right. Even though, even if it had a jazzy swing or, you know, whatever, whatever that is. So mm. that's how I look at it. At this point, if we can identify it as a classical modern technique, that's modern dance. Contemporary ballet, it's still evolving because you have people like Justin Peck in contemporary ballet, right? Mm -hmm. And then you have people like one of my favorites and a girl who I grew up with, Jennifer Archibald, opposite ends, mm -hmm. but still mm -hmm. in there. So I guess eventually when we're around the bend, right, it'll be right. schools and houses of what that is at that time. But we'll never know until we move on to that time. That's, That's my right. It's a, it's a, the beauty is it's a student phase of discovery because I kind of don't want it to put label on on anything because the Lamont technique at that point, it is not just like you say, it is not he said, I'm going to create a method. I'm going to create a movement. He didn't say that. It, what he, his body told him at that time have a lot to do with the social environment, what the dancer's body is like, what the need at that time for him to express. So it became a technique. It's like a tailor as well. So, you know, it's everything is from Martha Graham, but he branched out. It became, it became a style, but that's tailored. That's what he did. So I don't like to put anything labeling on anything so we can understand it better. I agree with you 100%. The question is, how can we package it? this artwork, a two minute long artwork into a ballet competition that knowing all the judges, most of judges are ballet dancers, right? Let's say YGP, right? It's most of the young. And um, they have a set of aesthetic, it's not fault of anybody's, it's just because how they brought up, how they educated and what their career is like. Right. So, Obviously, when we go to the competition, we wanted to have a, an advantage, right? How can we present ourselves to have the comp com competitive advantage, at the, but at the same time, not to lose the integrity of the artwork? So, in, uh, in other words, we're going to put on the pair of point shoes and start doing all sorts of things. And is that, <laughs> is that considered, I call it contemporary, just I'm going to pack everything I can do into that a, a, a two minute and a half solo. Where is the balance coming in place, Maria? Um, Where's the balance coming in place? Because you and I both saw so many contemporary works <laughs> and uh, you're just like, at one point you're just like, you know what? I wish I can just say one thing to the child. You know, something that's like... Uh, well, I uh, you think know. that's why I... I think that's why I started giving these lectures, right? Because yeah. a lot of these students, um, you know, they have this beautiful and detrimental to, uh, um, tool called YouTube, right? It's a beautiful <laughs> tool that we didn't have, but it's also detrimental at the same time, right? So, and I always find too, and I always tell this to the students, that normally the contemporary people, when they see something that's really, really gorgeous in the contemporary category that leans more classical, we tend to like lean that way because that's not our world, right? Right, 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 and right. Normally, right. like I remember you, Ren Chow, you were like, this piece is amazing. And I was like, <laughs> eh, it was just kind of weird. You know what I mean? Like, 
I feel like whatever world you're Begin in. Because for ballet people, you got good pair of feet and have arch. We're sold. <laughs> and then I'm like, well, what did you like about it? Tell yeah, me. Yeah, what do you like about it? You know, but. <laughs> so the first thing that I think is um, that needs to be stayed away from is for students to go and see, watch somebody solo from last year on YouTube that won and say, I'm going to do my solo like that. That's the first mistake. Um, or I'm going to use the same piece. Music, of music. yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you're going to laugh when I say this, but if I hear one more Arvo part, like, um, yeah. you know, when I hear Arvo part and I hear that song, I think Sylvie Guillaume smoke, and I think Wendy Whelan, um, Wielden, right? Like that's what yeah, when I hear after that. After rain, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So mm-hmm. that's what I think. So it's really hard if you're 14 years old at the beginning part of your training for me to get Sylvie Guillem out of my mind, <laughs> you know, as, as I'm sitting there, you know, and I think I was teasing the kids and it was in Pittsburgh. We heard um, Oliver Arnold's Near Light. I think I counted 17 times, right? So this is what I say. If you're in love with a piece of music, use it, okay, and go for it. Because there's always, what did Septim talk about? An X factor, right? When he was yeah, on with yeah. you or, or, you know, yeah. dynamics. But um, totally go for that piece of music. But be aware that when you're searching on iTunes, so is everybody else. And if you've heard that yeah. song before, that means I've heard that song 20 times. So in the beginning, I might go, okay. And then, like, I focus in. But it takes me a second to get there because when I hear those first notes, I just go, okay. I'm thinking of something go. else, right? Yeah, yeah. Here, here we go. I, I am totally guilty of that. You know, Max Richter, another, another favorite Max composer. Max Richter. I love yeah. it. <laughs> but how many, times, how many times can you hear the music? You know, in New York, I am guilty. I choreographed a, a solo, uh-huh. quite a nice solo, Max Richter. So YGP, we went to New York, YGP put the, the contemporary solo, the very last two, I think it's a pure coincidence. Uh-huh. And I heard the music of my piece came up <laughs> and I saw a different dancer. It was not all student, it was on stage dancing. The movement, I was like, oh my God, am I going crazy? Is this, is this all student? No, this can't be, this is not my student. This is not all student. But the choreographer cut the music exactly how I cut it. Exactly. Because it's a natural ebb and flow. It's a natural evolution. I was like, oh my God. Like two pieces, complete, two different choreographers, never met each other, cut the music almost the same and into this movement almost similar because what what else can you do with Max Richter? What else can you do except this? Right? Yeah, no. So it was just, uh, I know. And if the choreographers, uh, you know, and what's what's crazy about that is... the music tells us what to do. So if the choreographer is really letting the music tell you what to do, it's going to be similar. You it's know, it's going to be similar. It's going to yeah, be similar. It is going to be similar. So that's that's the first thing. So I and Renchao, I'm guilty of this too. You know, <laughs> totally guilty of this. So in these last two years, I am allowed to listen to Max Richter at home, Olafur Arnold's at home, Philip Glass at home, um, Renee Aubrey at home but I am not allowed to use it in the studio to choreograph. That's my challenge. Um, that's beautiful. And, and you know, and so the, the, that's the first thing, you know, cause you, there's all these things 
I feel, and this is why I started giving this speech, and I can't tell you how many parents I've had contact me and say, thank you for just being truthful. Yeah. You know, and you know, and I always say to students, do you want me to, do you want the truth or do you want me to be nice? <laughs> like, right. you know what I mean? And I yeah. actually think they would prefer you be very direct, you know? Yeah. So that's, that's one thing. Don't watch the last year's winners. Don't watch them because Madison Brown is Madison Brown. Ava Arbuckle yeah. is Ava Arbuckle. You know what I mean? Like Alexis Bull is yeah. Alexis Bull. Like don't, you can't look at those people because they are their own voice. And I always say all the time, like we already have a Tyler Peck. We already got a Maria Kurowski. We are, you know what I mean? We already have a Patty Delgado. Like we don't need another one. I need you right. to you. I need you to show me who you are as a human. Right. And I think that yeah. that, contemporary category is the best way to do that you know just like so that that's one thing i would say um emotional journey right so one of the most beautiful things about movies is when somebody is upset it's not when they actually cry it's the lead up right it's the moments right. before they actually cry it's the holding back so sometimes a 12-year-old comes out on stage and is giving me, like, days of our lives, like, <laughs> curtains. And I, like, literally, I think I leaned over to, like, um, Stephanie Salon and I go, does she have a mortgage she can't pay? Like, what's happening right now? <laughs> like, what is this despair, you know? So I want dancers to feel those emotions. I'm not saying that. I want you to feel it. But I want to go on the journey with you in the apex, or if you start there, I want to see you resolve in that. Because ultimately what we do going back to the Greeks is we're storytellers, right? Mm -hmm. That's what we do. You know, we're storytellers and we have to get lost in that story. I've never, you know, I'm not a ballet dancer, so I've never gotten to dance the role of Giselle, but I dream of it, you know? And so if I have the knife and I'm running I know in my head, I, if I'm really invested in what she's going through, I'm not going to say heels forward, heels forward, heels forward the whole time. <laughs> I'm going to be invested in, in what that is inside, right? And so that's, that's the next thing I would definitely say is tell me a story. And it doesn't always have to be a dramatic story. Please. Tell your own story, yes. Yes. Tell me something. Like, I'm an upbeat person, you know, and I'm a bit of an actress. But I also like, I love a happy story, you know, yeah. and, and I think it all depends on the panel of the judges too. Like when we've seen so much drama, sometimes you just, you get a breath of relief when you see something that's right. joyful, you know. This is, I want to insert a little bit about this because this is have a lot to do how contemporary solo is being commissioned. So you got a parent, you got a teacher come to you as a, a modern teacher or contemporary teacher says, you know what, I would love to, for you to create a contemporary solo for my child. So it's a more of a commission work, yeah. which is fine with me because there's a, a limitation in space and funds and resources, which is fine. Yeah. But here is a challenging part for us as a, as a choreographers, which is, where is the balance? If somebody come to you, Maria, so it seems to me that you are much more interested, invested 
in that child. You want to have a period of time get to know this student, or let's say you already know the student uh, for a while. You wanted to bring out the best of her, and yep. in consideration of this purpose of this solo is for the competition. So that's one of the my things that I have been doing is that instead of me choosing the music. Having done my all my stuff at this point, I'm a father of two. I'm a husband, and a teacher. The music I choose, music that touches me, is very different from the music that touches you. Yeah. So I give students. I don't just right away go to find a piece of music and and use it as one of my expression, my moment. I let the student pick two or three music for me. I, I let them do it. I do that so as well. what speaks to them, that gives me the first baseline to know with emotional maturity where she or he is at at this moment. So I hear the music, sort of an investigative moment for me to know who they are and what they do and what their thought process are. So then I work with them on choose one. So we're coming to a conclusion together. So where is the, the question for you is, how can we as a choreographer find a balance? Now, this is not about students, about us as a, as a choreographer. How can we find all balance without being completely commercialized? Okay, you want a piece solo? I'm going to give you solo. You want something? I'll give you something. Where is all emotional input in this? And where's the balance? And that's a complicated issue because we are server. Yes, we are serving the students, but at the same time, we're human too. We need some stimulation. Otherwise, we become just purely professional, just giving, giving, giving. Yeah. So where is all taking in this process? So for me, there's two ways to choreograph, right? You either choreograph to your vision or you choreograph to the body in the room. Right. Yeah. And where's the balance to that? Where's the balance in that? Um, for me, I do the same thing. I ask the students to give me three pieces of music, yeah, right? I did that. Mm -hmm. And if I, then it helps me to get to know them. Like, first of yeah. all, like get to know them and who they are as a human. And then I say from there, if, if they're really inappropriate and not right for competition, it gives me an idea. And then I try to open their mind beyond that. And then mm -hmm. I play three pieces of music all year long while I travel and I hear music. I put it in a folder. I just keep putting mm -hmm. it in a folder. And so then, you know, as I see them, you know, or, you know, where we're going, I, I kind of can figure that out. The other thing I do, because a lot of times when I come in, I've never seen the dancer dance. I've never seen them do a classical variation. I've never <laughs> seen them, whatever. And they're standing in front of me and I'm like, where do you start? like a bad date you know <laughs> like so i like long yes, walks you know <laughs> so so anyway so i say to them i have a i'm giving away my secrets to you wrench out i have a questionnaire and the first thing i say to them is what's your dream company what's your dream role um what variation do you love and why I ask them, what's a correction they get all the time? What's a secret about yourself that your teachers don't know? Or if there's a way that your teacher perceives you that really annoys you, what is it and why? And then it gives me a chance to start a dialogue with them as a human. Yeah, in like a way investigation. That comfortable yeah. with, in a way that 
they can start to open up because as dancers, we're taught to not open up. Right. So, and so then it gives the dialogue in, in a way that what's their favorite ballet. It tells me so much about them. If I see a body that's super, super muscular and they're saying to me, they love Aurora, you know, I'm like, Oh, this child is romantic inside. You know what I mean? There's a romantic, even though the body's different and that could actually be interesting, you know, into what we're doing. Um, So I asked this questionnaire um, because I think that it helps me get to know who they are. And then we start from there. The other thing that I do is there are times where I start something where I think a child is one way and they're not. And I will come in. It'll be the third rehearsal. I'll say, this is all wrong. Let's start again. Because it's not my butt up on the stage, you know, and like anything else in life, you know, we craft what we do. So no solo that I do is not going to be well crafted, but there are some that just have the magic, you know, so every solo will be well crafted, will be professional, will be put together because I've practiced that for a long time. But sometimes you just get that magic in the studio. It's the same thing as setting a ballet. Or having the perfect partner, you know, those, those things, that magic happens. So I always ask the questionnaire and that's how I balance that, that I can hear who they are, but then I can guide them because ultimately their competition is over the minute they step in for the weekend. The work, the point of the competition is the work you do before the competition. It's that one-on-one time with your teacher. It's that chance to really explore that variation. And it's the chance to push yourself. Once you get into that building, the competition's over. Yeah, that's beautiful. And I love, I love how you, you know, normally as a professional, I say, okay, do a turn, and, you know, sort of moving, having the phrases die in your head and like them moving, improvisation, what have you. But I love what you said. You actually take the time in the very beginning to, to get to know them a little bit more about who they are and about when they open up themselves a little bit more. And actually this is very valuable to you in terms of how you get the best out of them. So my thoughts on this is that we have to, as a choreographers, we have to take a lot of consideration of who are we working with and that the age and emotional appropriateness is very important. As a judge, you see how many pieces out there. Yeah. This is a beautiful piece. And then you say, this is, should be done by a 28-year-old, yep. not a 14-year-old, because clearly she or he is not ready to take on. So it looks uh, put on. Yep. But clearly at this moment, I feel like sometimes the choreographers indulged a little bit too much in terms of their own artistic expression. It is Just like not, you said, it's very dark. If I'm gonna choreograph on a company, it's about my vision and what I wanna bring on stage and bringing that to the dancers. If I am choreographing on a student, it is not about me. It is about the student. That's beautiful. That's absolutely beautiful. Me, it's about the student. And that's, yeah. that's the best thing. You know, my favorite age group is 16 to 20. Most people don't like that age group. I love that age group. I love because you have a way to work with them. Yes, to make yes. the leap from pre-professional to professional. You know, right? There's a push right. in a loving way in that group. 
But I agree with you. It's not, it cannot be about us as choreographers. It's got to be about them. And the other thing that's beautiful about the contemporary category that I give in this lecture, for instance, I have short legs, I have short arms, I have an Italian girl body, and I got a left foot that does not point at all. Right. I think I heard that what you said when I was walking. <laughs> so if I'm gonna choreograph a piece on me, my, I'm a mover though. Like I can like aggressively move. Okay, mm-hmm. I'm gonna keep my left foot flexed the whole time, the whole time. And I actually think there is a Pittsburgh. There was a beautiful dancer in the senior category that's clearly going to be a contemporary dancer, not going to be ballet. She has horrible feet. But she totally um, covered them and she did this like weird, refined contemporary thing, yeah. not just the weird, uh, what do I call it? Yeah. The wiggle, where they all just like wiggle, <laughs> you know? <Yeah. laughs> and Gennady turned to me and he said, that was incredible. That was incredible. She doesn't have a body for a ballet company, but she was incredible, you know? Right. So I think that uh, we know that as professional dancers. You know, like we we can identify. Yes, we can appreciate absolutely and and a structure versus Mm -hmm. you know whatever. And the other thing too that I always tell students is that we're like rooting for them. We don't want to watch four hours of solos and be like, you know, we want them to do well because then we're entertained. (laughs) Yeah, you you look for something that you can positive to write. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, you want you want them to be good. And ultimately, yeah. I say this to the students, too. You want everybody else to be good, too, so that you're inspired to work harder. Right. It's Absolutely. not about winning. It's about being inspired to work harder. The other thing that I can talk about, because I know that you and I have had this discussion about structure, right? Yeah. So a ballet variation... Ren Chao is normally how long um, um, for female? A minute and 20 seconds, unless it's the yeah, really minute, long Paquito yeah. one, right? Like, two, two, minute, two minutes maximum. Two maximum. Minute long. Two the minute thing long. that I see go wrong in the contemporary category, and I get it because they are, it's a lot of money and they want to perform and they want their stage time. I get that. I understand that. The, the contemporary solos are too long. Too long. Because A, the reality is they're, practicing their ballet solo way more, way more than they're practicing their contemporary solo with a familiar vocabulary that they do every single day. Whereas contemporary vocabulary, they do what? Like twice a week, maybe? Well, it's just after you run all the ballet, after coaching time, you say, do you want to run the contemporary? That's your time. You want to run it? (laughs) Take a run. Go work on it yourself. You know? You want to run it? (laughs) Whereas that needs to be broken down even more because they're not familiar with the, the, the vocabulary. So that's that's the first thing that I, I think that happens there. And they're tired. They're tired. Right. So please don't give me a massive turn section at two minutes and 15 seconds. Right. You know, like just, just, I have a formula. I don't start with an extension to begin with on any dancer. Because they're nervous. They're walking out on a strange stage that they haven't rehearsed with. The lights are coming on them. So I always try to do an interesting shape in the beginning because, you know, we're normally writing. So when we look up, we see the interesting shape. And then within 30 seconds, if the dancer is a turner, I like to put the turn in there 
while their legs are strong in that section. And then about into the minute, that's where all the extensions will be. And then the last part I use, um, last 20 seconds, as to wrap up the storytelling of the piece. Yeah, structure, very structure. And yeah. it's a sensible structure. I see so many little ones that are like, oh, my balance, it was just so bad today. The balance is hard. You're nervous. You see 20,000 other girls backstage. If you think about right. it, it's like feeding them to the lions, you know? Right. <laughs> so yeah. you want to go on stage, you want to do that, and you want to get out. The other thing, too, that I tell the, the girls, I don't know if you've ever been backstage for that open stage section where everybody's on the stage, but I'm having a panic attack, like <laughs> watching them maneuver. Mm. I say, pick your turn. Use your mind, space the piece around the stage, and leave. Because ultimately, you obsessing about something that's not going well, it's not going to make it any better on stage. Right. You right. know? So I always, I always give that advice. So the structure of the piece, and you have to know you. If you're very solid and that extension makes you feel solid, then do it at the beginning. But this is the structure that I follow that seems to work for the dancers because it's exhausting, especially in a contemporary piece that's mostly yeah. driving by the end of it. I don't need a, and Oh, this is the other thing. I don't need a fuete turn in a flat ballet shoe. Because the choreographer feels they have to put it in there. They well, need to put that in there. Yes. You know, and that's what I say yeah. to the kids, unless you're telling me a story that you're in the middle of a tornado and you're trying to get out of it, you're yeah. telling me that story, put it in, let it be there, you know, yeah. but the rest yeah. of it, you know, with that. Um, and then, you know, the same thing too, with feet, ultimately there's good feet, there's bad feet. There's only so much we can do me too. Right. But you can cover them. <laughs> you know, and you can figure out a way on your body. And I think that goes with costume, you know, with that too, which we can totally talk about um, how to make that work. And this is the last thing of the logistics of it is the point shoe. Okay. So if a dancer is ready, if they're at that point of their training where they need to really start working on that articulation and they can really articulate and move around the top of the point shoe, do it in the point shoe. But if I see you still struggling with the point shoe, half the time I say, take them off. If I'm coaching somebody else's work, take them off and let me see. And then they're like fearless and wild, you know, and, and yeah, that's because it doesn't give you extra points. If you're not ready to do that contemporary solo on point, it doesn't give you any extra points. And I know that there's trends. So like three years ago, everybody did a point shoe piece. Now they're starting to take them off a little bit, you know, on, um, so that's the thing too. But sometimes, you know, if a dancer's 14, 15, they might have to use it as a challenge to start getting right. that suppleness in the shoe because mm -hmm. it can really, really help. But mm -hmm. that's the problem. That's us being professionals. Like, oh, we're going to do it as a challenge, as a teaching exercise, whereas a kid doesn't think that way, you yeah. know, in that. And I, I, I agree with you so much. It is a strategic, logistical planning for that 90 seconds or two minutes to me it's maximum for 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 a, a, a solo so it is a, every in that two minutes every second counts every so second. sometimes i feel like people waste just 20 seconds to walk on stage and they do nothing 
Yes. So that may be very meaningful for a mature choreographer in a bigger piece, yes. but in a purpose for a child to enter a competition, because you know the judge is looking at you for five seconds. If you don't do nothing, their head is coming down. Yep. So it is a really a strategic planning where I believe there has to be in terms of we're talking about nitty gritty things. I think the speed dynamic is very important. You can't have two minutes long, the same bombastic speed. It has to come down a moment in the mid part. Then you bring back up again. This is just how people's mind can absorb things. It can never absorb things at the same rate. Even for same, way, same thing with the slow music. I cannot have the same speed. Nothing changes for two minutes long because there's nothing's happening. It has to have up and down in energy, in complexity, and in music. So this is a uh, very valuable, uh, absolutely, tip uh, from you as a choreographer, also as a seasoned judge. Yeah. I mean, this is something that we see, okay, that worked. Why it worked? Because it, have, it has a combination of all those elements in there, it kept my attention. So, and I think this is uh, very important for everybody to to listen. I um, I want to move forward a little bit to um to the costume, Maria. Please break this down for us, please. <laughs> um. Okay. So, what I tell the girls too is, you know, we go backstage after watching two and a half hours of Max Richter solos, right? And uh, you know, I look at Ren Chow or I look at Bruce Marx, you know, and I say, Mr. Marx, do you remember that solo? He says, which one? And I say, the one in the Yumiko leotard. <laughs> and he looks at me and he says, they're all in Yumiko leotards, Maria. But if I can say, you know, the one that had the sheer with the piping that kind of came out, then immediately everybody goes, yes, yeah, that I one. know what you're talking about. You know, there, there's um, it's 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 part of that it factor and dynamic, right? So, and and then the other thing too is, boys don't have this so bad, but it's hard to be a girl. Our bodies go up and down, and up and down, and up at probably the most inopportune times cycles. So that leotard only look, if you feel confident like a Maria Karowski in a leotard only, and that's the beautiful god-given body you've been given wear it right but if you're going to be out there and you're going to feel uncomfortable because it's moving around or you know whatever be a little more creative because ultimately what you're saying and i'm saying too is it's a storytelling it's a dynamic it's up and down and your costume should say something now i don't need like if you're a banana in the piece, I don't need you to be a banana and like peel out in a Vegas costume either. Simplicity is good. So one, you should always feel comfortable in your own skin. And if you don't feel comfortable in your costume, you need a new costume, right? Because that's going to affect how you dance. I mean, oh, can you imagine, and we're all dancers, at one point you go on stage, how great we feel that we this costume, we feel great in it, it's comfortable and I look great. Now, that's going to have a beautiful impact on how you perform that piece. And now how many times, and I can personally tell you, many times the costume, it, one is uncomfortable. The other, it doesn't fit your body or it doesn't, you look at yourself in the mirror, you don't feel good. You don't want to go out there in this. 
this communication has to be has to has to happen between the dancers and the teachers and the coach and the choreographer. The dancers' views are that this is for the students out there. If something's uncomfortable, you have to tell your teachers. You know, I don't feel comfortable in this out there.、Yep. Ultimately, just like you say, Maria, you are the one out there dancing, not us.、Right. So every choreographer, we all have all aesthetic dream to see what I want to see in this piece. I only want to see this, but. A bigger consideration is: is that child comfortable in that outfit at that age? It has to be appropriate. It must be appropriate. There's many costumes I felt uncomfortable, and I felt absolutely uncomfortable for the dancers because I would hate to wear that out there. Yes, yes. I to say to the kids because they can identify with this statement: when you walk on stage in this ballet competition, you should feel like you're going to prom. Or you're getting married. Like yes, you look、yeah. better than you've ever looked in your whole entire life. It is so important. That's the first impression. Yes. If you go out there, we we as a, a observer look at the cast. Oh my god, that's ridiculous. Now, what a chance! To, what a chance do you have for us to take your solo seriously? Yep. Right. This person with the hair, makeup, and costume is absolutely important. This is not something that. We know that you know very well. We know somebody just went to their wardrobe and picked the two things up and put it on you. And we also can tell、yep. now this is somebody who really took the time, created something very unique, without overdoing it. And that is going to carry the long way in terms of how we judge you, how we create or evaluation of your performance. So to me. This is all a part of how much care you put in there. Keep in mind, you only have about two minutes. You have to use it. It's like you say you you were saying dating. You know you you it's like a speed dating. You got the two minutes to tell the story,、yes. to introduce who you are, to introduce your ability, artistry, and leave a good impression so they can give you a high score. All that under two minutes. Yeah. So every minute, every single thing counts out there. I can't tell you how many times too, and I know you've seen this as well, where I feel like the student hasn't practiced in their costume.、Yeah. Several times, you know, you really it it takes time and care. It takes time and care into each and every detail, and this is such an amazing moment for dancers for the first point in their life to be their own producers. They're producing their own vision on the stage,、yeah. you know. And they have to be guided for those teachers out there. You have to be guided in the in in that you know in which way you go with that. So I always like to say, you know, the memorability factor of the co- the costume. I don't. It's my pet peeve, and you know, I don't really love the junior categories, the younger kids, and just a leotard. I don't like it.、Um, mm. And I have to say that you know, especially if they're going to come out and do like a crazy flexibility, I have experienced on the road. It makes my male counterparts feel very uncomfortable. So that is my experience in it when they come out and they give you that. So you think you can dance leg, you know,、yeah. all the way up. You know, it's just not my favorite with just the leotard,、um, yeah. unless it's a beautiful watercolor or it's been designed by. The、um, costume designer at Joffrey, you know what I mean. Like unless、yeah. there's something a high fashion statement in it, then that's what I would say about about the costume. And also stay away from just like the music. 
stay away from the catalog books for for contemporary costumes because you know I saw this season what was it uh, the marble tidy that the it's like a a tight unitard that was marbled I saw that in every city I went everybody, to more than once everybody using it everybody mm-hmm. using it yeah so again and, yeah. like be original be thoughtful you know and that that's what makes a good dancer right you know Renchao that's what made you a beautiful dancer is that you were very thoughtful about the work. And I think that um, in these times of these YouTube videos of just taking away versus being thoughtful about you, who you are, who I'm Maria Conrad, and this is what I want to present, you know, in the work. Yeah. And uh, I agree with you 100%. It has to be appropriate. And, you know, in theory... Nobody should limit limit people's expression. If this is how I like to express, um, all other elements should not be issue. That's in theory. However, we're all humans, right? We all have feelings, and uh, we all have our own set of judgment. Mm-hmm. And that is why the jury member called the judges. Right, we are there to differentiate and to insert own opinion. So, therefore, the judge's point of view has to be taken in consideration, yep. in my opinion. So, you know, it's not really about a hundred percent about how your self-expression. Because if you want to do a solo, if you want to do a performance, ask people come to see your performance is one thing. But you're on that stage, ask to be judged. Yes. That's dynamical change is, is people have to take in, uh, take it into, into consideration. And if the piece, the music, and often, you know, talk about nitty gritty things, Maria. I think talking about, you know, you want to create your piece impactful. You want to be, in, be, be impactful. But naturally, people goes to this kind of angry, bit angry feeling, like a very angry, not, this feeling, it's valid because you want to speak. You're, there is, a, there is a, a desire inside of you. There is a feeling you want to express. I challenge the choreographers. I mean, this is not the student's fault. The students did not say to the choreographer, says, please create an angry piece for me. And they didn't say that, right? <laughs> so this is a challenge that I really wanted to have for the choreographers. That challenge yourself, create a piece, just like you say. It doesn't have to be uplifting doesn't have to be but create something impactful purposely steer away from the anger from from the from the uh depression and anger and stumbling around stare at the the the, the, the audience because you know this is 95 percent of the things that we see on stage is has that angry look which is i believe it's an easy way out because easily you feel like this is something that I can do to, to make myself impactful. But there's, I challenge the choreographer, there's much more to go around it. Because as children, sometimes a 13, 14 year old, to see them stumbling around on stage, it, it is not very, I don't know. It's, I don't, for me, after the 55 times, I don't want to see it again. Exactly. I mean, that's just the reality of it. And, if you go out there, have an uplifting piece, have a happy piece, have some piece about love, just pure, just simple idea about love. 
And that's refreshing. I want to see it. So strategically planning, knowing what's out there all the time, create something opposite, something different. I bet you anything you'll grab judges' attention. I I gave my questionnaire. I walked in this little 12-year-old boy. He just looked like a prince. And he answered my questions. Yes, Miss Conrad. No, Miss Conrad. Yes, Miss Conrad. And at the end of it, I kind of turned to him and I said, Avery, I feel like you're funny. And he goes, yeah, I'm funny. And I said, all right, let's try this. And I went this whole like Italian gesture thing. Yeah. He, the judges said, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Appropriate for him. You know what I mean? Like that, that sort of thing. So again, it's, it's the choreographers and the students knowing their audience and knowing what's there, you know? And and it's, it is choreographer's job to steer way to success. You know, even if there is a, perhaps a, a student that's 16, 15, 16 year old at the rebellious age, at the, this transformative age, and give you a piece of music so depressing, so or it's at that time, it's your job to say, you know what, this is really great for some appropriateness, but it is for the competition. It's your job to steer away from it. So, and I think this is that's why I believe this conversation is important. A lot of people need to hear and. For classical selection, somewhat it's easy because we have a set of rules. We have the set of how we judge. But this is a free fall. Yes. And that's presenting an opportunity, I believe, in contemporary category, presenting a great opportunity for kids to stand out. Run Chao, I will never forget when um, I was on the faculty for the International Ballet Competition in Jackson. And, you know, the contemporary nights came and it was always very interesting because you see it all the way, you know, from all over the world. Everything. Yeah. Yes. And and taste doesn't live everywhere. Yes. So, you know, so it's different. But this group um, came on, I believe they were from China and just had the coolest cow neck, like white shirt and black pants, but so unique and structural. And they just started in. And the whole faculty, Charles Askegaard was sitting next to me and he was said, I have seen the winner. We're done. Like, you know what I mean? Because it was simple. It was elegant. It was tasteful. It was different. It wasn't a violin, you know, so it just, (laughs) you know what I mean? It just kind of, you knew it's that it factor. It's that dynamic situation, you know? And if if we can teach um, the kids to not, be sheep and to go with that artistic voice, you know, sometimes you're going to be really successful. Sometimes you're not, but you have to be willing to go there. This is also, Maria, I wanted to segue into my next question. This process, to me, this this working together, creating something new, or even learning a rap piece and to, to in preparation for a competition, that creates another window of opportunity for the students perhaps sometimes it's like you know what i want to do it i can do this 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 creative process speaks to me so this is sometimes opportunity to ignite that creativity the little light bulb turn on the kids head it's like next time i'm going to create my own because i see how this process goes i'm not lost sometimes people is not intuitive to creativity they just lost they don't know where to start it's like a restaurant. You look at the menu. You just don't know what to pick. You like everything looks good, but now, how can we give us uh, give our students uh, uh, some feedback as 
for you as a dancer and as a teacher, as a choreographer, what is your advice to our to our students? And I want to specifically point out to our female students in choreographic route because I really like interested to see more voice come out of that sector. Yep. I mean, you look at the YGP, you look how many women, how many beautiful female students are out there in comparison to male. Okay, that's we know that Jurassic uh, in terms of data. And how? What do you do to promote to to lead or give us female students advice in terms of how can they become a part of the creative process and maybe later on to be successful as a choreographer? Okay. And what is the route to 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 do it? So, if you're going to choreograph your own solo for competition, I believe that that's a rite of passage for every choreographer, mm -hmm. right? I have mm -hmm. a vision. I have a thing. But also what you need is a good editor. You need somebody to be able to stand up to you and say, no, 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 no. You like might a mentor. That, that, yeah. does not, that does not work. And even now, when I work with stuff, I used to be scared, right? Because we're insecure. Ultimately, you're taking a piece of yourself and you're putting it on the stage. We can't be scared to have editors in our life. Now, you can take their information. And if you know it's true, you apply it. If it's not quite there, it's just chatter, you put it to the back, right? Right, um, right. But even now, I I show video footage to Margot Sappington, or I send it to Philip Neal, or I send, I say, am I on the right path or am I crazy, you know? And normally when you feel that insecurity, that means you're on the right path. Correct. Yes? So it's yes. important to have somebody that you love and you trust as an artist because artists are emotional beings, right? And not always logical. So we need to have somebody that we trust to guide us. So that would be my first um, thing. My second thing is I feel like so many dancers romanticize being a choreographer. Yes. Mm, they say, I don't want to teach or I don't want to dance professionally. I just want to choreograph. Well, I got news for you. It doesn't work like that. <laughs> There's very few that it uh, works. Kids, like listen that. up. You know. Yes. So what I say all the time is, I love to teach. I love that connection. I love that growth um, for myself and for my students. Um, that's what I am first, and then secondly, I choreograph to kind of fill my heart with what I need to do in there. Um, so. That I would say, if you have the opportunity as a female artist to dance professionally, do it. Do it. Don't mm -hmm. turn down that professional offer to become a choreographer. Don't do it. Do your choreography on the side. And this is why I say that. As I said, as I talked about my shape and my line, I, I don't have the luxury of, of dancing professionally in a company. I have the heart of a dancer. I wasn't gifted the rest. Okay? so. When you have and you're dancing in a company, there's so many more opportunities to grab a partner and work on your partnering. Because, you know, we always say, and I'm sure you know this too, men are really fantastic repertoires of work because they know the male part and the female part in a pot of death, mm -hmm. where the lady yeah. knows, knows the female part, right? So if these women can have a chance within those companies, within those festivals, with high level dancers, because that's the other thing. 
that it's very, very hard. Your work is only as good as the dancers you put it on. So I am interested in working with better and better and better dancers and better and better artists because then my work looks better and better. It could be the exact same steps on other dancers that aren't at that point and it doesn't look good. But the minute you put it on her body, it's better. So if, if the dancer has the opportunity to dance professionally, do it. It makes the road a little bit easier. And then the last thing I don't know what it is in our nature as women. We always kind of put ourselves second to men. We always think that there's a climb. And I don't actually necessarily believe that's true. I think that there are a lot of fantastic men in this business who have built up women, you know, and have really, yeah. really helped them. The Michael Vernons of the world, the Bruce Marks of the world, the Run Chows, the Philip Neals, like all of these people have really, really helped to build up women in that way. Um, but it's okay to have your own voice. So I have a really beautiful friend and choreographer who is the voice of our generation and, um, movement wise has her own vocabulary. And that's Jennifer Archibald. It's this hip hop and ballet contemporary together. Right. So I used to think like, Oh, people won't like my joyous theatrical work because that's what they want. Right. Mm -hmm. But she's her and I'm me and it's okay to do those theatrical pieces, you know? And she's the biggest one to say, Maria, people love to laugh. People love joy. Like, go for it. Do it in your way, you know? And I'm so supportive of her because her work is so powerful. And I don't know that I could work in a studio like that, you know? But for me to produce those joyful works, because what are the works of Balanchine that have laughed? Whose cares? Slaughter on 10th. Those works, you know what I mean, are around for forever, you know, so that is okay, too. So as women get out there, I used to think that I, to be serious, I had to create serious work to be taken seriously. You just need to create good work. And And your work. 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 Yes. Absolutely. I also um, have... um, almost troubled with this subject you know because because there's a movement always ongoing and i think it is so necessary and it, it, it absolutely needed to be addressed why there's a, such a lack of imbalance in between the female choreographers and the male choreographers in numbers so i'm trying to steer away from a a political agenda i'm trying to steer away thinking it it's is a man-made is do we purposely go out there to promote men and not women. I don't believe it's true because that's not really dance world, how dance world works because we just want a good work. Mm-hmm. If there's a beautiful piece out there, we cannot care less whether this is created by men or women. We cannot care less. So why this is, there's a, such a, a political a, a movement in dance world in terms of the urgency, the need to promote female choreographers and not to me, there is a little disadvantage. I want to put it purely in an academic point of view. And therefore, I agree, I 100% agree with you, Maria, said that dancers needed to be really, be a dancer first. It's much easier. Because then that's your chance, that's your chance to understand your vocabulary. Mm -hmm. That's your chance to truly understand how body works. Not just learning and reading and watching, but immerse your body into it. So that's number one. I truly believe that. If you have opportunity to dance, that's only going to enrich your vocabulary. 
Second, I think I've been contemplating this, and I think maybe people maybe disagree with what I said, but I wanted to point out this is truly an academic exercise. What's lacking sometimes uh, in ability, um, not in ability, the comfort level, it's partnering work. That's a big chunk of vocabulary in choreography. In terms of a pas de deux or a group piece, you always have partnering work, either five couples, four couples, or just a pas de deux. So I try to think, in this case, men are have tendency to be more comfortable with the vocabulary just yes. because when we ponder most cases, we're all face front. So I'm looking at a, the feet, my partner's back, either is it two men or two women, a man or woman. I'm talking about ponder, we're not talking about strictly man or woman, just a part of the work. So men always behind and your partner is in front of you. They are all facing the very, if you look at it, there's few vocabulary truly face each other to do manipulation. There's, but they always turn around because this is how we feel comfortable yeah. to have us to disguise our work behind our partner so our partner can do this absolutely gorgeous things. Now, yeah. this relationship, this strategic spacing gives the man, the person behind, have the direct knowledge how the movement works how the grip works and what he has to do to make this thing work, number one. Number two, how to manipulate in the way that is organic for the partner. So all his life, and I believe I can tell in my experience, I partnered like a Philip Neal, we partnered, right? We were really in the front because we're tall and we, I'm more intuitive like a Philip, a good partner. So we're behind, so we have, truly understanding, not just for one piece, but many years of experience yep. of how this thing works. So now let's say a female choreographer, a, 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 a lady, you are in the front. You only felt how you're being manipulated, That's it. but you don't really have the same knowledge as the man behind you in terms of how the strategic movement that they are making behind you. Yep. So this is not a, a political disadvantage. No. This is truly experience a knowledge a knowledge issue here. That the lack of experience, not because they choose to, it's just because how ballet worked. So I truly, this is I want to put this out there just for people to somewhat steer away from a a political point of view. It is how can what can we do? Because from political point of view, we can fix it. We can inject more money, opportunity to female choreographers, but the work itself, it has to speak itself. So my idea is giving more opportunity for the, for the woman to understand your disadvantage. To, first of all, to understand the disadvantage. Therefore, you can fix it. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I can be completely wrong. I mean, the I, people out there, I'm you know, disagree. I'm with you on both these parts. Like, of course, I want opportunities. Um, I want to be afforded the same opportunities. And if there is a disparity, I want to be able to work up to those. But I don't want to be hired just because I'm a woman. I want to be hired yeah. because I'm good. Because you're good. Yes. yes. And so, and with the partnering, I agree with you. I do, that's why I said it. I think that men do have an advantage because they are responsible for all of these moving parts. <laughs> yeah. So 
what I, I can say to my females, what I've done is I find some, um, a male, female couple, like if they're in college or if they're students and I say, can you come in and let me play? They love it. And then if I say, okay, we did this and the male gets it to happen, I go and stand with him and say, how do I teach that? Tell me how I yes. teach that. Cause I don't have the muscle memory to do yeah, that. The muscle memory. Exactly. Or again, having a good editor with a male that you trust for you to mm-hmm. say, can you please come to my rehearsal and strictly just look at the partnering and help me with this? And I've done right. that a lot, you know, a lot, because that's the only way that you're going to get better is to accept the fear of accept. not knowing something. You have yeah. to accept the fear of not knowing something. Yeah. And then you have so you to can work toward through the fear. If you don't feel fear, that means you're not progressing. And that's like with a right. solo, with a variation, with a project, with running a school. If you don't feel fear, yeah. then that means you're in your comfort zone and that means there's no growth. So you right. have to keep going. So it was fearful for me to ask. But once I did it, how many people would love to be like, yeah, let me show you your knowledge. You have right. to have a curiosity. And that's the biggest right. thing that I can say to all dancers and all humans is we have to be curious about our world and we have to not be afraid to ask those questions as That's artists, beautiful. as humans, as choreographers, you have to be able to go for it. And I still have fearful, you know, conversations with, you know, there's a new project and I really want to do this, you know, even reaching out to you during this time of, yeah. of zoom, I, what I saw first segueing and talking about this fear run chow is all of these ballet schools are trying to adjust. And the first people to go out the window are their contemporary faculties because they're part time and we're all trying to make it interesting. So I reached out to all these ballet companies, Nashville, Tulsa. I reached out to you. I reached out to Joffrey and everything. I said, let's trade. You teach for me a ballet class for me and I will teach a contemporary class for you. It was really fearful. Like, honestly, I felt like, (laughs) oh, what objected, you know, that's okay too. You know, because Venus always says you learn from the losses. You don't learn anything from the wins. You learn from the losses. And so that fear, I did not have one person say, you know what? I don't want your class. They all said, come on, come on, yeah. come on. This is a good idea. Like, yeah. Let's make this work, yeah. you know? Yeah. So that's what I have to say is like, we can't be afraid to have editors. We can't be afraid to have a voice and we can't be afraid of fear. We have to move forward as artists, especially during this time. Absolutely. That's beautiful, Maria. That's beautiful. Um, you know, what, what do we do? We just do what we do, continue and uh, to first to protect ourselves so it's like i always say you know the the mask on you first and you can help (laughs) others you know so let's you know take care of ourselves professionally and so we can help we can help others and i believe that the industry the the students needs us uh more than more than ever Mm -hmm. and uh i always feel just the way I inter- interact with you, you are really the kind of the teacher that people, students respect you, but at the same time, you have a much better chance they opened up to you. 
And uh, it is, uh, I don't believe it is a put on. It is just who you are, Maria. I mean, it is a gift. It is absolutely gift. Um, just like how we met. I mean, we started having conversation in and a it car. Was and it, yeah, it was just, you know, we, we might not know each other personally, but at the level of professional, we 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 know each other. We know who we are. Yeah. And therefore, we know who we are personally. Yep. And uh, I just, uh, that's why I felt your position always unique. Serves, you know, ballet teachers, always going to be ballet teachers, <laughs> you know, <laughs> ballet teachers. So you are someone that there will be many Maria's out there. You know, I, I have true appreciation from a ballet teacher point of view. I, I, I actually wanted to be a Maria. I wanted to be a person like you that we can connect all dots but together you are because that <laughs> I'm trying. <laughs> you are that I, I, I am trying, and I feel like uh, it is important. It well, is the the role of instructor, the role of uh, dance teacher, that we have to ask more. We have to ask absolutely more of ourselves. What I think um, makes you so special, Ren Chao, and I always remember this, is we do come from a field of tradition, right? But it's yeah. also our job to push it forward. And it's important to have, and I, you said this, and I, it stuck with me, it's important to have, have knowledge of where we came from, but we have to know where we want to go. And I don't care what you did yesterday. Let's talk about what we're going to do tomorrow. And that's right. how students have to approach these Zoom classes. I don't care that we were in the studio last week. <laughs> what are we going to do, do tomorrow to become a better dancer? Because it takes a lifetime to fix a finger and a head. Why not speed it up right now? Let's put our attention right there. You know? Right. And and all of that, I've watched you step up with all of this with the Kirov Academy and, you know, the other thing, too, that I've learned so much from the athletes that Mina says all the time is pressure is a privilege. And we can't be afraid Beautiful. of the pressure. Pressure makes us step up and do our best. And we have to find That's a beautiful. new way. We have to find a new way to do that, a new way to reach people, you know, and stay afloat. You know, like if I stay alive, yes, yeah. stay afloat. And I think sometimes... Pressure is good because pressure creates energy, right? Yes. Creates that burst. Yes. So what what are you working on now? Uh, what are you working on now? And uh, what is your plans for this post-pandemic well, situation? Nobody out there steal it, but I am going to start trying to pull music for um, this vision of Secret Garden to see if it works. Because sometimes we have an idea and then you get into the nitty gritty and you you don't know. Um, I'm very, I did set work on Pennsylvania Ballet too. And Renchal, listen to this request. Eddie Tovar is such a sweet man. He said, I need it to be accessible for elementary schools. I need it to be cool enough for high school. I need it to be elegant enough to sit on the program with the company. And I was like, that's not a yeah. tall order. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like at all. I need it good so enough to, if doing, I want to go to a competition, Charlie, Charlie I go to a competition. Yeah. Yeah. So we did um, a Charlie Chaplin ballet. He's a beautiful composer. And so it has an element of sweetness, an element of darkness. Um, and, you know, like all these kids missing performances, I set this whole work and I never got to see it in performance because it all got canceled. 
but I'm very, very lucky that it's been chosen to work with one of the art and design colleges in Philadelphia, and they're going to create costumes for it in the fall, and it'll go on the museum circuit. So I'm very excited about that. Um, and then just trying to hustle. You know, I have to be patient like everybody else. Companies right now are going to go back to their last year's season, you know, and redo mm -hmm. financially if, if we can even keep them afloat you know, as much as we need to do. Mm -hmm. So just like students out there, I have to be patient. So I'm going to probably do a bunch of self-produced work and festival yeah. work for right now until I can get back out there in the company scene. And I want the challenges. I want the challenges from every company and I want to do everything. You know, if there's something to do, I want to do it right now. So if you're out there, bring it on. Let's do it. <laughs> That's such a beautiful attitude. Such a beautiful attitude. And quite frankly, Maria, we have no other choice. I mean, what a, what no a choice, choice do I have? You know, the students look upon us for inspiration, for leadership. What, what are your choices? Right? We have this responsibility to be and always to be the forefront. If we fold, who is going to stand up? Nobody. Yeah. yeah. So, we have, so to be, we have to be patient. You know, we have to be, be patient, patient in the meantime. And and that's why when I encourage my females to not just be a choreographer, I thank God every day for having teaching and to be able to move and becoming a better teacher every day. So, you know, this is forcing us to become better teachers. And that's what we have to do. Right, 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 right. That's beautiful, Maria. We're, with that, I want to thank you again. Thank you so much to be a part of this. And, uh, and honestly, I don't want to go back to real life. I just want to talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> I want to talk to you in person. You know, I, I, know. I, as I said before, you know, we just take such things for granted. I think this is, you know, it can be just snap a finger and everything was just like done. You know, I held on to the last, absolutely last second before I dispersed the students. Yeah. But I knew it's going to be a treacherous journey. I knew it was going to be a treacherous journey. But um, we, in the meantime, we just have to um, take care of each other and take care of our loved ones and take care of students. And we move forward and we have um, prepared for the anticipation. Perfect. So I'm looking forward. And I know this Zoom, this virtual scenario is going to stay yep for a while after this is going to stay and actually i'm happy about it because you know what people get used to it and that can totally be a part of our lives yep and uh so thank you thank you very much for what you've been doing thank you so much for what you are doing and what you're going to do and i appreciate you very much Thank Maria. you thank so, you much. so much. And thank you to everybody thank that you, wrote it. Maria. Thank you so much. Uh, where can they find you, Miss Maria, on social media? Um, at M.A. Conrad on Instagram. Okay, perfect. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Have yeah. a great Wonderful. day, guys. Have yeah. a great day, Maria. Bye. Thank Bye. you. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for watching the show. I hope you enjoyed it. If you enjoyed what you saw, please continue to join us every Thursday at 10.30 a.m. and we'll have exciting people to be on the show share their stories. If you are interested in Kiev Academy, want to know more of what we do, please go to kiofacademydc.org.
Thank you so much.